This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. What is going on, Nash? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. It's your good buddy, Joe O'Brien. Uh, and hello, my name is Troy LaValley. Troy is in the middle of writing an email, as is obvious. He didn't even know the show started. All right, so I wasn't writing an email, but I put this uh, card up on eBay, sports card. and uh, <laughs> We're doing a show! Well, here's the thing. I put it up there, and I, uh, I normally have a buy-it-now price, and I set the price based on what they call in the industry comps. What is it sold for lately? You put it up there as the comp. Well, this particular card, when I put it up a week ago, um, it really wasn't worth enough for me to put the comp price up. So I'm like, you know what? I'll do an auction. I'll do a seven-day auction, and let's see if I actually uh, make a couple extra bucks on it. Well, there was a big trade in the NBA, and uh, you know, uh, known piece of shit Kyrie Irving got traded from the Nets to the Mavericks. And the guy behind him has basically been elevated to a larger role and put up like he broke a couple records in the past couple of days. So anyway, some guy offered me like a couple bucks for the card. I'm like, why am I getting this offer right now? And then I look and I realize he's lighting it up. So now I'm like trying to revise the <laughs> offer. I'm like, there's no longer an auction. Now it's a $30 card and I can't do it. So that's what I was doing. <laughs> Thrilling start uh, to this fodder from Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. A known massive uh, NBA fan sports crossover uh, to our audience. And so I'm sure everybody's really excited and knows the name of that player on the Nets, whom I don't know. I don't Cam know. Thomas. You Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas. Most people don't realize this, but Cannon Fodder started out as an NBA sports card podcast. <laughs> Yes, it did. It evolved over time. <laughs> it really has uh, changed. It really geared toward like our main hobby of gaming. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, initially we wanted to do a podcast about NBA sports card trading. It's fun to get back to our roots, though. It is. It is fun. That's what this. <laughs> that's what this year's fodder is all about. Uh, back to the roots. That's 2023 for the Glass Cannon Network. Get back to our roots. Get back to our roots. Speaking of roots, uh, you ever seen the movie Roots? I never have. Neither have I. I hear good things. You know, Lavar Burton. It's like the main character, I think. I did not know that. Yeah, LeVar Burton. It is uh, an exciting time here at the Glass Cannon Network. You and I got this show started literally an hour late because for an hour we've been just gabbing 
like a couple old ladies uh, <laughs> about all the exciting shit that we have going on. This mm-hmm. is, I mean, mm-hmm. there is so much for this VOD to like, we could do that VOD thing where we cross over into territory of like things we should not have been talking about uh, <laughs> because we're, we're so excited. Uh, we're going to talk mostly news uh, and then uh, we're going to talk some RPG stuff, but not really. We are stupid as we didn't really have much uh, in this week's episode to break apart in terms of rules, a lot of role play again, but we'll, we'll get into some juicy role play stuff. Uh, but first, Kicking it off, big news uh, at the Glass Cannon Network. You remember a little game called Dune something the Imperium? Adventures in the Imperium? Adventures in the Imperium. I am familiar with that game. I played uh, it You last played year. it. You ran it, in fact. You split a 10-episode series GMing with Jared. He did five. You did five. You remember this little game, little show called Inherit the Sand? I homebrewed it. You know what's funny is uh, someone at Modifius reached out to me after the series ended and asked if I wanted to write uh up that module to have it published and i have been too busy to even like get back to that conversation you didn't even respond to the email oh no i respond i was like yeah sounds great and then he was like all right well here's what we could do and that was a year ago and i was like i'm just too fucking busy man (laughs) (laughs) well that's a shame uh those of you that missed inherit the sand the first time around it's it it has hit its own rss feed for the first time um, I'm not saying it's migrated off of Glass Cannon Network Presents. It's still there for a limited time, but it has now been released on its own feed, similarly to uh, as we've done with uh, Get in the Trunk and Time for Chaos, Voyagers of the Jump. Now, Inherit the Sand has its own RSS feed. So if you've never heard the show and you want to get a little dune in your life, uh, it was a great series, like you said, homebrewed, that even the Modifius people were like, this should be a module. <laughs> it was really fun. You know, when you look back, obviously, I, with the session zero, Jared and I are running everyone through character creation. And and then I do the first episode, uh, first, excuse me, the first five episodes. And then we flash forward in time like a generation and how much has changed for that house. And then Jared runs the, the second uh, half of the episodes. It was really, really fun. Cool system, too. It's a classic Dune tale. It really classic is. Classic Dune tale. Uh, yeah, you guys did a great job of making it fresh and different, but like hitting on the tropes that make Dune great. And so, yeah, it was it was a great series. I actually produced uh, a few of those episodes, so I was just like I was behind the stx for a few of those, and I and I thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, so. Friends of the Pod, we mentioned last week that one shot that we did with Paula Deming and Mary Lou. That was so fun, uh, the 2E one shot. And it we said it was going to release on YouTube, but it had not. And that was just due to copyright issues, a few things we had to get sorted out with uh, YouTube. But it got squared away, and now it's available, right? I think it's up, up yeah. and running on um, Paizo's channel. If you want to watch the video of that, it, we released the audio on this Glass Cannon Network or Glass Cannon Podcast feed. Yeah. So you could hear it there. But if you wanted the video, it's on YouTube, but you got to go to Paizo's channel to find it that's the only tricky part yeah it's like that's how friends of the pod has worked in its one iteration before this is like when we did it with seth skorkowski seth put it on his channel we wanted to do the same thing with paizo but we forgot like we have all these licenses that we just can uh that we have and so when youtube is like wait a minute where that music come from we can be like well we have this license this license so when paizo tried to upload it they got hit with all these dings and we were like uh, give us a moment. We have to try and figure this out because um, we really wanted to put it on their channel to try and bring in some new fans to the niche. And so that's why there was a little bit of a delay. But it was cool the way they did it. I don't know if you watched on Monday, but they like premiered it. And so there were people watching it for the first time, probably all five hours just sitting there. Oh, cool. There's, there's no, like I didn't 40, catch 50 that. people. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. Um, so yeah, if you want to see that really, really fun sesh and, uh, it's available, uh, at least right now only on Paizo's YouTube channel. 
Uh, we have a big update for Gatewalkers and uh, very excited to talk about that. But first, Glass Cannon Labs is back this week. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, <laughs> we're, we're playing Cyborg, right? Are you still yes. doing it? Are you yeah, I'm quit? still doing it. I'm still yeah. doing it. <laughs> yes. I'm going to start prepping uh, tomorrow, uh, an hour before the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it should be. I mean, Cyborg is built that way. You don't have yeah. to prep much. You just get in there and start playing. Uh, labs, too. That's what it's built around. I'm not going to be on, man. Don't make me feel like I got to be on. You don't got to be on. That's You don't got to prep anything. Rob Kirkovich is coming back. That's so Kirk. excited to play with him again. Uh, who else is in that one? Is it Jason Charles Miller? It's Jason yeah. Charles Miller, right? And Rob and Skid and I. So yeah, it's going to be a fun crew. I'm trying to get Rob out to Gen Con this year. I think he's going to do it. He should. And I know JCM will be there. I can't fucking wait. I mean, we've been talking so much Gen Con stuff just in the past 48 hours. And now I'm getting, I'm getting like legit excited for it, even though it's six months away. Yep. Jared will be out there. So already, already mm-hmm. talk, I was talking to Jared about it, logistics yesterday. Um, exciting stuff. <laughs> it's so funny. Back in the day, we never thought about Gen Con until a couple months before Gen Con or the month before Gen Con. And, and that was just to buy air tickets and try to scramble around for an Airbnb, you know, 15 miles from right. the convention center. Where you and I would share a king size bed. <laughs> and Skid slept in the shower. <laughs> yep. Not even an exaggeration. Not even an exaggeration. But now, we uh, as we do the exhibitor space and all that kind of stuff and we and we do events and we try to get sponsorships and everything like that it's the work for it st- begins in December and most of it's ironed out by February and kind of done and then you just sit and wait for Gen Con to come uh so a lot of those things are well underway and you and I that was part of our hour before this show recorded things we can't talk about are the things that we're planning show wise for Gen Con and we're oh my god so excited <laughs> oh my god it is going to be if we pull off if we pull this off it's going to be awesome. It's going to yeah. be, you have to come to Gen Con. We're going to be doing so much stuff. And if we're able to expand the booth size, uh, we have some really fun plans in store for that as well. So, I mean, if you yeah, ever want like we have plans at the booth that uh, should hopefully, that are not just shows, but are interactive and stuff yeah. like that with you guys, with the nation. And then we have plans for a show that if it comes to light, will be unlike anything we've ever done. Yeah, and it's going to be think- multiple shows and then multiple things in the booth if you ever wondered like should i go to gen con yes and this is the year to do it this is the year to do it um what else simbarum is going to return next week um so part two and it'll be the finale uh it'll be we'll finish that one part that one shot uh next week and jared's returning and uh and ross and uh josephine so everybody's back they're available and we're rocking next week so tune tune in uh right on our twitch.tv slash the glass cannon it's 2 p.m eastern on thursdays uh we're rocking the uh the glass cannon labs all right let's get to gatewalkers this is uh an update last week you and i were in last wednesday when cannon fodder was airing you and i were in new york city in queens and long island city looking at spaces Mm -hmm. and uh why don't you get the give the folks an update um well we released a video uh yesterday on youtube that gave you a little behind the scenes look at our journey (laughs) (laughs) and uh we we put an offer in they countered and we accepted and so we are going to a space it seems unless we seems unless unless they look at our financials and be like wait a minute you can't afford this yeah you're playing pathfinder for a business <laughs> you're not we're not letting you in here um, yeah so this is this is happening uh looks like we're going to be moving in um sometime in march um and then like my god 
the amount of stuff that needs to be done. I mean, this is what we're doing. It's like, okay, find the space. That was the huge first hurdle. And it's a raw space. It's very raw, which is what we wanted. We wanted a wide open raw space that we can do whatever the fuck we want with. Well, now it's like step one, go to the city and look for spaces. Step two, find a space. Step three, sign the lease, all that shit, okay? Now, step 99 is record the first episode of the new Glass Cannon podcast. Now we've got to work out steps four through 98 and start banging them out over the next 30 to 60 days. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's exciting. It's a little nerve-wracking, but we've got such a great team in place right now. Um, I'm really I, – I think like we can – I just feel like right now with so much exciting stuff that we have going on, I really feel like we can do anything. So I'm excited to see this come together. I am I am like almost ready to start fucking recording too. So um, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be an exciting time. It, it, you know, we're, we're still aiming for spring of 2023. Um, but I don't want to give any, any dates and get people excited or, or nervous, but, uh, I, I have a date in mind. Well, like uh, you said, there's 98 steps and, uh, and I can guarantee you whatever date you have in mind, it's going to be later than that. I yeah. guarantee it. It's possible. So, so feel free to say it on air and I'll tell everyone. I'm right not going to say it. I'm not, not going to say it. I'll tell you after the show. Uh, it will be, you know, like you said, there's 98 steps. Any one of those could be fouled up through no fault of our own. And, and so it could delay things a little bit. But yeah, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order. And we're, we are creating that rundown over the next three weeks. And then we're going to, bam, just get in there and get to work. I'm very excited to be back in a space playing in person. I've never played in person with Kate. Really? Yeah, I guess none of us. Right? Have, right? We've never played. No, you did. You played in fucking Glass oh, Cannon well, Live Philly yeah, and Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just on a stage with a bunch of people. I don't know. It's a little different. Yeah. Sitting around a table and just playing. But um, What I was going to say is the first day of summer is June 21st. So as long as it releases between June 20th, we didn't lie. That is technically true. June 20th is spring 2023. Last time I checked. It's like when a video game releases like Q3 and it yeah, and it releases on October. October yeah, 21st. September 30th. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, it's so funny. Like you can release something summer 2023 and it can literally come out September 20th and Dude, that is summer. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're ready to jump in the other thing, but I have more news. Glass Cannon Live. We are like rounding, uh, uh, circling the wagons on finally locking in dates and cities. Uh, it's kind of all happening very, very quickly. Um, so hopefully we'll have on sales happening. Uh, maybe – Maybe within the next couple of weeks um, because we do okay, want to bring back the tour in April. Well, a lot of people were asking so. why we're not on tour right now. And a, this studio space is a large reason for that. And so we got to take this, like you said, 30 to 60 days is really going to be zoned in on getting the studio space up and running, getting everything squared away so that we're ready to record a great first episode. And then right after that, April, we're planning on being back out on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that we want to be able to keep that the Strange Aeons party going and uh, get out on tour. So if we are doing a show in late April, I want those tickets to be on sale for at least two months. So hopefully the next couple of weeks, we're, we're really, really close. I want to lock in all the way through Gen Con so we could just release all those tickets all the way through August. But uh, we're doing the best we can. I'm, I'm really excited to get back on the road. Um, I don't like going too long without getting in front of the nation. I agree with you. Uh, one more thing before we move on to the RPG stuff, which we're about to dig into. There is one minor thing that I just want to mention, which is the employee lounge. I mentioned it before uh, on Fodder a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> letting people know if they didn't know, 
You're actively streaming Dark Souls and Skyrim right now. Yeah. I'm streaming Dead Space right now. Skid is streaming uh, Xenonauts 2 right now. Uh, it's It's been really pumping in there, and we've been having a good time. If you haven't checked it out, head over to twitch.tv slash GCN Employee Lounge and uh, follow us there so you can make sure to get notifications when we go live. We're trying, we were actually talking in a meeting on Monday about nailing down a schedule for that uh, and trying to be a little bit more – time sensitive but right now it's been fun because we could be like oh this lunch time i can just go i can go live or yeah. this happy hour i can just go live i'll do it now it's been a lot of fun and like we've got a really good crowd in there uh you and i did some back-to-backs uh the last couple fridays yeah double header yeah double headers like if you've got the time to just chill or you're at work and you're allowed to watch twitch it really must make the rest of the day just fly by uh listening to us goof off so yeah we are thinking about trying to find a way to schedule it so you can set your watch to it it's just a little tricky but we're going we're gonna to try out something. Yeah, right now the fun part it has been the not being pressured to do it at a certain time when you have a lot of work obligations. Like if you can get those squared away, give yourself a little breathing room, and you can stream for fun, that's what we've been doing, and it's been working out really well. But we will try to get at least a few sessions scheduled each week. And we've been doing the Degenerate Dungeon there on Sunday mornings. That's uh, obviously with football season coming to a close. The the dungeon will uh, – we're going to figure out what happens with the dungeon now. We're going to do uh, NCAA and baseball run lines or what. <laughs> but uh, we are going to do a Super Bowl special. It's this Saturday night, right? This Saturday night, yeah. Live. Uh, and the last time we did a, a night dungeon, it went for four hours. And we all got a little – Tipsaroonie. Tipsaroon. Uh, so this is going to be a, a fun one um, to watch me antagonize these Eagles fans the night before their prom. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, all right. Let's get into what normally would be We Are Stupid. But um, let me read. I'll read Eric's email uh, word for word. Didn't catch any rules issues this week, but I already have two guesses for things I'll find next week. <laughs> so something's brewing. Something's brewing that he knows we're going to screw up, which is just great. Uh, he's going to let us make our own mistakes, Troy, and learn from them. That's great. I wonder what. <laughs> I wonder what he could think. Does he yeah. have a copy of the the book? Is he looking at like the the one e version of Strange Aeons while he's doing this? Um, maybe, maybe not. During the test phase of this, I did a test phase with him where we were trying to get on the same page because there's actually a lot of different ways you could go about doing this. And one of the things I said was, I'm not interested in you pointing out things Troy did wrong with a monster because I can't really say that on air if it was something Troy decided to do sure. differently with a monster. So let's keep it to just general Pathfinder core rules and advanced rules, but things that are not monster, um, um, stat block dependent, right? Yeah, yeah. Things where you're like, oh, he missed that they have this special ability. It's like, let Troy bring that up if he remembers it. And otherwise, we'll just focus on the mechanics that players need to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, he said, I, I love that he, he, he didn't say, I already have guesses for things I'll find next week. He said, Two guesses for like <laughs> he has an exact number in mind, which means he's definitely zeroing in on something. So we, we'll see what happens That's next week. Uh, but I've got one question for you uh, just out of that that episode that I just have to ask. Feel free to, to say no. <laughs> Feel free to say no comment. But I, I'd like for you to be honest with the nation. Oh, boy. Nestor Binlay. 
Mr. Bidley! Does he return in the written adventure, or did you just bring him back so you could do that voice again? Be honest! He returns in the written adventure. Does he really? <laughs> Nestor Binlay is hanging out with the elves in the woods? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I took a little creative liberties uh, because they don't really give you... I think the reasoning in the book was just kind of like, he's there. And uh, I was like, oh, let's, let's make it a little more juicy. But yeah, he, he is in there. And he's not as ridiculous in the book. He just kind of half Certainly that happened not. at the indie show. Um, but, you know, he's important. He's important to the narrative, you know. Um, so it was, Which it was fun to have him completely back. belied by his voice. <laughs> the whole time, what was fun is because, like, when we did the indie show and he turned into such a ridiculous character, I was like, they're going to have so much fun when he returns and later. <laughs> they must have been like, well, thank God we're done with this guy. And then it was just down. an amazing moment to me. I loved it because you were like, and out of the bring the traveler and like bring out the of traveler. the woods walks Nestor Bin Lay. And it's silence from all the players <laughs> who you originally met in the enchanted forest on a limb or something like that. And right when you get to a certain point and you can tell it dawns on Matthew and he goes, oh, no. <laughs> My friend, <laughs> Hello, my friend. <laughs> yeah, Did like, you find the, the hunter we were looking for? Oh my god! Yeah, you so guys fun. don't know. Like, if I'm like, I can't just be like, and it's Nestor Bindley, and expect you to know who that is. <laughs> no, we're not those kind of players. You're not those kind of players. But like, <laughs> I knew the description would get you. Oh, it's yeah, fun having him back. The Take this wand and this ring. <laughs> the ring of It's such a preposterous voice. Um, well, I wanted to bring up something to chat about since we don't have rules to dig into today. And this is a general RPG topic that I feel like we could have a good solid debate on. I love a good debate. And this comes in uh, to game design, the game design area. And it's actually based on a tweet that I saw go out from Owen Casey Stevens a few days ago. Uh, he put out a tweet that said, if a typical TTRPG PC makes a typical attack against a typical foe, how often do you think that attack should hit? 50% of the time? 75% of the time? <laughs> and then the follow-up question is, how many attacks do you think a typical PC should make on average to defeat a typical foe? So it's a really interesting game design question. I know this is something you've been thinking a lot about, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. I didn't see you respond or anything like that, and I, I'd like to know where you stand on that topic. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm kind of like one of my many little side projects is is trying to fucking write a game uh, for us to play. And uh, so when I when 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 I saw that question come up, I'm like, oh man, that is such an interesting question. My my gut reaction before I really thought about it, was 50% of the time. I was like, I think a typical person against a typical monster, you could have a 50-50 shot. Um, but that seems a little averse to fun. Um, you know, you think about baseball. Like if you have four at-bats in a game and you get one hit per game, you're, you know – you're 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 an above even you're hitting for average but you're that means you're an above average player in major league if you get two hits a game like you can't sustain that for the entire season no one has ever hit 500 and, and if you got two hits per game you would nearly double the greatest hitters of all time like, right, you know I mean? right. like in in terms of average yeah people that are getting uh, you know two, going 2 for 4 3 for 4 4 for 4 every once in a while i mean these are your elite hitters um, but they're still but then even they go over four for like four games in a row. Right. Right. So, but I try and like adapt that to this model as well, because if that was the case, then it should only be 25% of the time. 
but then you're like, if I feel like you're never hitting. Um, so yeah, 50, that's what it would feel like. 50% felt good to me. It felt like the, uh, trying to translate that baseball statistic into hitting. I was like, 50% seems a little more fair, but I, I think I've settled on 65%. Hmm. Yeah. I, to okay. me, that feels, it's, and, and really it's just a little better than half, a little better than half. Cause even at 65%, you're still going to be missing a ton. And uh, for enemies that have a ton of hit points, you're going to have to hit a lot. And if you're only hitting 65% of the time, you better hope your your teammates are hitting when you're missing. Um, so 65 just felt good to me. How many hits should an average typical foe take before going down? Oh, man. Average typical. So what does that mean? Because like – what is an average typical player? There's an average typical third level character, and then there's an average typical twelfth level character, and the monsters they're going to be facing. Well, it all balances out. It, I so guess it all balances out, right? From a game design standpoint, it should in a certain way. I mean, you want it to, you want it to, you don't want it to feel like there's no difference between third level and twelfth level in terms of probability. That might not be as fun. But the point of the question is, should a average foe take? Three hits and go down? Should they take eight hits before going down? Should PCs have to combine for six hits on them before they go down? I like, feel like, you know, an average fight, let's say, and these are all just arbitrary things we're picking, but it's, it has to, but it also is years of doing this and, fe- and knowing what feels right. To me, a five round fight is a, is a, your typical good fight. It's not a boss fight that goes 12 rounds. You know, it's not a, a squash encounter that goes two or three. So let's let's take a five round fight as an average uh, encounter. If you've got four players that are hitting sixty five percent of the time, then that means I mean I could do the actual math, but you're probably getting uh, one and a half hits per round times five. What is that? Uh, Six, uh, roughly. Yeah, uh, that would be four. Uh, in four rounds, you'd have six seven hits. and a half rounds. I mean, seven and a half hits. Um, so, and one and a half was high. right, but but the so but, seven but, hits. The, but the idea is that a typical foe would not necessarily. Maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, but a typical foe would not necessarily be one foe that they're all hitting. A right. Well, I guess foe, you can interpret that anyway, right? Right. Right. Seven. I mean, if we're just talking about four players versus one monster, everyone of average party level, I think seven hits in five rounds sounds about right. Okay. Because if that monster, because now if you think about this in terms of encounter design, that means that monster is hanging for five rounds, but it only has one, you know, one opportunity every round to do something, whereas you guys have four opportunities. And if it can stand for five rounds and do something, to me, it's like if you haven't done something cool in those five rounds, then it wasn't meant to be, and the monster goes down. That just feels right. It's very arbitrary, but again, this is coming from years of doing this. That just feels right to me. Would do you feel differently? Um, I do. I, my gut says that I would want to design a game where the, where the timing is similar to what you're talking about, but where characters hit 75 to 80% of the time, maybe 80% of the time. The balance for that is not difficult. The balance for that really comes down to, uh, you take more hit points, right? So like more hit points, you get the same amount of rounds, uh, but it takes more hits essentially is what it comes down to, right? So uh, a higher hit percentage and more hits to take down a creature. I like that in a heroic game. And I think when I say heroic game, I don't mean, you know, playing, uh, uh, for Christ's sake, what is the, um, 
Mythic. I'm not playing. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about playing Pathfinder with Mythic Adventures. I'm talking about a classic D20 sword and sorcery. The character, the players play heroes kind of game. I like the idea of hitting a lot and then having that translate into tougher and tougher creatures that can take a similar amount of time. I think five rounds is a really good target. So I, I'm with you there. I just think that missing less makes you feel – not only is it more fun, but it makes you feel like a more competent character. Yeah. Uh, missing half of the time kind of makes it feel like why is this person a hero? Uh, however, I think that there is an interesting uh, alternate side to this, which is we also talk a lot about playing games that are not heroes, where people are – regular people, right? The Call of Cthulhu, Games of the World, Blades of the Dark, that kind of stuff. Like, you're not necessarily, you can't really transcend uh, the amount of damage you're taking or the amount of hits you can even take. Uh, Delta Green, for example, one good shot and you're dead, right? Like, those kind of games are fun, too. They, they They have their place. I think a game where you are a regular person and you're not supposed to be heroic, I think a 40% hit chance is good. And I think that it should take less to bring something down because you feel how much a a blow with a sword or a shot with a gun really damages something that's living and really gives them very limited time to live after that. Um, yeah, Master Narothotep, if you've listened to Time for Chaos, I don't want to spoil anything, but like there was one fight where uh, someone had a shotgun and just like annihilated someone very quickly that like I wish was around longer. But like then you think about it, point blank range, a shotgun would annihilate someone. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Even if you're talking about a creature, I don't know the situation you're talking about, but even if you're talking about – I actually do. I'm lying. But even if you're talking about a creature, <laughs> if it's a living creature that eats and breathes and has blood flowing through it, a point blank shotgun is going to do significant damage. Right, like a, if you – like a Rottweiler. If you, <laughs> those are nasty-ass dogs. But if you hit it with a shotgun, it would explode. <laughs> totally. Uh, totally. Oh, dude. So I'm reading this book right now uh, uh, called uh, Endurance, which is a famous book. It's been around for 50 plus years. It's a uh, nonfiction about an Antarctic expedition that went wrong and a, this crazy adventure story. I feel like you've read nine books with the same exact description. I have. I have. This is the most famous one and I've never gotten to it. Are you so afraid got- of like getting stranded? Because I feel like that's 99% of the books you read. No, I just find stories of people putting to their limit fascinating i don't know why i just find it fascinating uh but it was a gift i got it for christmas and so i've been reading it and chipping away at it here and there and there is a moment talked about in one of the guy's diaries where he's there on the ice he's walking and he gets attacked by a sea lion which is like no joke like an 1100 pound sea lion comes up out of the ice and attacks this guy and he's just running for his life on skis and another guy comes with a rifle and that thing takes like like eight or nine bullets before it even slows down. You know what I mean? And so like there is all different kinds of levels of monsters where like one bullet's going to take a human being down, but a sea lion can take a bunch of the a bear, right? Think of it like a bear. Like you just shoot a bear with a handgun. It's not going to do anything, <laughs> you know? So there is a lot of variance in this. Let me ask you this in the world of variance. Yeah. What we're talking about here is a typical PC and a typical foe. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to move it to atypical for a minute, but just show you the two extremes within a Pathfinder yeah. game. To me, the two extremes represented here are on one side, you have an encounter with a magic user, a caster of some kind, wizard, sorcerer, whomever, that is 
uh, utilizing maybe invisibility and summons or um, um, mirror image. Okay. Extremely difficult to hit, but low HP, low AC. When they get that hit, they go down quick, especially if it's from the gymmers of the world, right? right? Like a massive fighter with a massive sword. On the other side, you have an ooze encounter, a massive disgusting ooze with an AC of five and 590 hit points. And everybody is hitting every round, but it's just about chunking that HP down until you finish the thing off. And it's slowly grabbing people, paralyzing them, pulling them in. And it just feels like a death by a thousand cuts kind of idea. What kind of encounter do you enjoy more? I know you I know you don't enjoy playing as much anymore, but running more, <laughs> maybe. Or or you know what I mean? Like which one of those vibes? Because that tells you a lot about how you would veer in this in this thing. Do you enjoy something that's hard to hit, but once you hit it, it's dead? Or something that you can hit over and over and over again. It just takes a long time to whittle it away. Hmm. You know, I think it's more interesting to do the 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 magic user one, um, but it's more work to prep. <laughs> um, but like I do, it's so much easier to run the ooze. Um, and so I kind of tend towards that because when I don't have to focus on all the other stuff, it allows me to play a little bit more. Um, but I think if, if all things being equal, I prefer the caster. Um, you prefer just, hitting less, but when you do hit, it means something. Yeah, yeah. Because it just yeah. feels – it, it feels – I don't know it feels like kind of why we play this game. It's like you're if you're going up against this like regular Joe who has all these powers and they're using those powers to keep themselves alive while trying to kill you, you know, it's 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 more exciting to me to to finish that finish that person off, but I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a tough question to answer cuz so much of it is dependent on the circumstances. It's well, it's hard to take these examples out. Well, sure, but the truth is this this is a game design question. Yeah. Because really, if you boil it down, the truth is that the um the ooze fight and the wizard fight are both equally essential to the game. Yeah. You need to be able to have both of those encounters so that it feels like you feel that variance when you're playing the game. But you're still just using the one game system. So the one game system has to allow for that variance of encounters feeling different percentages feeling different, but you know, the middle line is all we're talking about right here. And how does the game balance it around the middle? Uh, it's an interesting question and, and it's, it's complicated. <laughs> game design is not easy. No, no, no. Do you prefer uh, a D 20 or a D 100 system? Now that we've been playing more D 100. Uh, I think I prefer D 100. And and not in terms of uh, uh, just purely from a game design standpoint, not in terms of, uh, you know, the, the typical D100 games that we play and what those system settings are like. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I like looking at a, a skill or an ability or a stat and seeing a percentage and knowing my percentage ability to hit that. It's just straightforward. Anybody who is new to the game can pick it up and understand it very well. Um, the typical D20 system where you're adding bonuses to get against a DC, I feel like a lot of the time, I mean, it's just a more complicated way to get to the same result, which is your percentage chance. Your percentage chance changes what a D20 system allows is a lot more variance of how that percentage changes versus certain different creatures. However, these games can boil in penalties of minus 20%, penalties of minus 40%, uh, bonuses of plus 20%, or... Uh, what was the other thing um, in in Cthulhu when you guys in Time for Chaos you would like roll the tens die twice and take the lower like yeah, it allows die and penalty die 
yeah, penalty die. Like it allows for severe penalties or severe bonuses on certain situations so that, you know, you're not stuck in the scene. You know that every time you shoot your gun, you're going to hit 60% of the time. Like yeah. it allows for that kind of variance, which I think is fun. Right now, I think I enjoy those systems because I don't have to do that added math. You just roll the die and you know success or failure right there. But that the whole D6 system is very interesting to me too. Yeah. In When we talk about Blades or Star Wars, I like the degrees of success system, which I find interesting. So that's another yeah. layer that's like, it's not hit or miss, it's hit. Uh, I saw a comment about this. Uh, somebody had a tweet that I thought was interesting, which was hit 100% of the time and then damage is the variance. You yeah. go from anywhere from zero damage to significant damage. And that is sort of feels like Simbarum. When we were playing Simbarum, there was a lot of hits for no damage because yeah. it's sort of armor as DR. To me, that also feels realistic. It feels like you can make contact with something, but not actually get it. In the Pathfinder terms, I think when we talk about armor, we talk about hitting something and hitting the term hitting actually means contacting flesh, right? Like digging into flesh and bone as opposed to just making a hit, connecting at all, which is why the original Pathfinder uh, Unchained came out with the armor as DR variant. They had a whole rule system for that, which I always thought was interesting, armor as DR. It means more hits, but then the damage is the variant. So you feel like you hit something, but you just didn't quite bite through or whatever. Um, it's a fun then variant. Then there's RuneQuest, which takes it to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. You're like, actually, where did you hit? Well, I hit the left shin. You know, right. Like Targeting limbs only has so much armor. And once you get there, you take that leg out. And if you take that leg out, now we roll on a table to see if that person can still walk. It's very interesting. Um, I, I enjoyed that was my favorite part of that system, because um, once you get it into your brain, it's very, very cool and very, very different from any of the games that we played. Um, but like, I prefer the D100 just because the more I play Cthulhu, the more I just love it. Same with Delta Green. Um but I'm the system I'm writing is D20 because I just think it's more marketable. The um, the D100 system also I should say this because I, I implied that it doesn't. The D20 the D100 systems that we play do have uh, uh, a spectrum of success. I forgot about that because you do have yeah. extreme success. Uh, what's the middle one? Hard uh, success, hard success, and, and regular success. Yeah, so yeah. you do have degrees of success, um, which two E so brought awesome. in, right? The critical hit, critical fumble, critical, uh, the degrees of success of hits, saves, yeah. etc. Throughout the system, I think offers uh, offers a lot of fun. Anyway, man, we could talk about this all day, but uh, that was oh, a great it, topic brought up by Owen Casey Stevens. So, yeah. so thanks for putting that tweet out. It had me definitely had me thinking. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do one more question to you out of left field oh boy because uh i oh saw some something just cross my screen online and i'm and i thought whatever happened to shadow of the demon lord you were so, so funny high you on that. that are you like looking at owen casey stevens yeah like, it was facebook uh, is that what it was from <laughs> yeah i mean um, he, he was posted about that the other day oh i saw an image and I, I didn't realize yeah. it was from his thing but i remembered you you were pitching it to me and i was like this sounds awesome and you were so juiced up about it, and it was oh, like definitely going to be on New Game Houdis, and then it just vanished. You out never all, talked about it again. Out of all the books that I bought when we first were doing New Game Houdis, the only two I didn't play were Dungeon World, I think, and mm -hmm. Shadow of the Demon Lord. And Shadow of the Demon Lord was the one I was going to come out of the gate with, but then I I pivoted into Cyberpunk and Cthulhu, and then at the end of the year when I was going to do one more, I almost did Shadow of the Demon Lord, but then I did Something Is Wrong here instead, just to try something 
totally different and weird. But it's still sitting there on my shelf, and I feel like it's having a resurgence. And when we were at PAX Unplugged, I walked by a booth, like, of all the new books that they've printed. I think they've, like, expanded. It's still very, very cool. I just got my copy of the Dark Souls RPG, which mm. I think uses the 5e um, system. I had uh, bought it, ordered it, like, a year ago, and the hard copy, I got the PDF, I don't know, months ago. I never really spend any time with it. And then I got the hard copy. I was like, this looks amazing where I've been playing Dark Souls. I'm way into it. I haven't heard a lot of great things about the Dark Souls RPG. I don't want to judge it because I haven't played it yet because it looks really fucking cool, but you never hear anybody talking about it. Whereas Shadow of the Demon Lord to me always felt like a Dark Souls type RPG, but with a system that people who are into it really love. There's a so lot I love, of buzz about it. Yeah. yeah, I love hearing that people are way into it. Um, so don't give me an excuse to play it because uh, – that's what Class Cannon Labs is all about. Yeah, who knows? And there's little adventures you can buy online, like for four bucks, um, so I don't have to homebrew anything. That would be fun. I remember read. I read the whole book because um, I was I was in the, in the zone just reading RPG. Oh, it was books also like, like the height of COVID. Like you couldn't even leave your home. Basically, <laughs> it was easy to read a compendium. <laughs> totally. Uh, all right. That is going to uh, wrap it up for us today, guys. Thank you so much for, for hanging with us on the FOD. Uh, love, love a good FOD. It's always good to catch up and uh, to keep you guys abreast of what's happening with the studio space and yeah. the labs games and, and everything. And, uh, and we're looking forward to uh, Eric's comments, Professor Eric's comments on episode 62. I'll see if he's right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if there were two or more things that were wrong. Uh, until next time, take it easy, everybody. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Great time to be in the nation. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.